Welcome to the 412 Canada podcast. My name is Kim Hutchins, and at 412, we're equipping the church for greater influence through serving. We want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and get equipped with us. 412 Canada is a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Huntsville, Canada. You're going to love today's episode with Rich Birch, where we talk about the importance of communication as ministries in your church work together, great ideas to thank volunteers, including chicken wings, and setting up your volunteers and your team to succeed over the long haul. All that and more on today's episode. Welcome to the 412 Canada podcast. Do you serve or lead volunteers in the local church? Are there days when you feel less than equipped to make the kind of impact that you want to make in your role or in your organization? Through this podcast, we're equipping the church for greater influence through serving. Thanks for joining us. Well, welcome, Rich. I'm so excited that you are here on 412 Canada podcast. It's going to be a great day. Well, I have finally made it. You know, this this really, this is like the pinnacle of my career. I have finally made it onto the 412 podcast. <laughs> you know, some people want to be on, on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. I want to be on Kim's show. So here <laughs> it is. Awesome. I'm excited about it. Well, we are excited <laughs> to have you, Rich. Glad um, to be here. This is going to be a great time. You know, if you attended the 412 conference in May, then you heard Rich's main stage talk where he chatted about the sustained effort over an extended period of time. And we're going to get into that a little bit today. But before we do, Rich, can you tell us your role is the founder of Unseminary? Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that and some of the other things that you do? Yeah, so Unseminary started as a blog. Really, it came out of just my own desire to try to learn and grow. I love church leaders. I'm a bit of a church leadership wonk. I could talk to church yeah. leaders and volunteers all day long and like get into the minutia of what it means to lead in a church. And so I just really started by capturing all that and putting it on a blog. Well, it subsequently has grown from a blog to a podcast mm-hmm. where, you know, hundreds of episodes in hundreds of, epi- of, of, of articles and we do online courses and I've ended up writing, writing books and all that. And it's all really around this idea that, you know, I've been struck with, even from like way back when I was mm-hmm. in school, this idea, what's the difference between churches that prevail that make a difference and churches that don't. And oftentimes it's the stuff they don't teach in seminary. It's not the stuff that, right. that you would necessarily associate with church leadership training. And so we're trying to talk about super practical things. And so, you know, it's a lot of communication, multi-site, church growth, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's exciting about that. So that that's, I think, primarily while I'm on today, but I also, my day job as I work <laughs> at Camp Minioi, which is a fantastic kids I camp. I Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's where we know each other from originally. Yeah. And uh, it, But it, our mission really is to develop tomorrow's leaders. That's the thing I'm excited about. We have a kids camp so we can develop digital moral yeah. leaders. And so I love that. And I'm excited to be a part of it. It's also here in beautiful Muskoka, right around the corner. So I was happy to come into the 412 studios today uh, for this recording. <laughs> so glad to be here. Yeah, no, Rich, you are so passionate about helping equip people, and I'm sure that you've got fantastic resources and worked with a number of people who've changed the way that you do ministry or have kept ministry going. Could you tell us about one or two times that influenced the way you do ministry and the effort and time it involved to do that? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> so, you know, and this actually connects to on seminary. Like, I, I really do love talking to church leaders, and so I... Um, years ago, this is like 20 years ago, I was working at a church in Toronto and or in the GTA called The Meeting House. Fantastic mm-hmm. church, love being there. And we were just starting to get into multi-site. And I 
and we didn't even know what it was called at the time. We were like, we're doing this thing out in Hamilton. Like it was super early, but I had heard about this other church in Chicago, this church named Willow Creek, and they had started something similar. Mm-hmm. And so I literally, this was like before, well, the internet was there, but it was like before it was really yeah. developed. So I had to like literally dial 411. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> yeah, you had yeah. to like dial like I the, know. you know, but you had to dial the area code, code. and then like 555, mm-hmm. I think it was 1515. And that's why I got Chicago and I was like, Willow Creek Community Church, please. That, that sort of thing. And I, there was this guy by the name of Jim Tumberland who I said, hey, Jim, like, uh, you don't know me from a hole in the wall, but I'd love to come and spend some time with you and just learn from you. And uh, and I think he was struck enough by like, you want to do what? And I'm like, yeah, like, I want to get on a plane and come spend a week. You don't have to even talk to me. I'll just like sit in your meetings and learn. And just watch. Yeah. And just watch because yeah. I just want to learn. And that really has been the mode of how I've learned the most from other church leaders is literally just watching and, and learning and and talking. And that really evolved over the years to like you know, and this is a bit of a dirty secret, but like people, you know, if they, if you say, Hey, can I take 30 minutes of your time to talk about, or an hour of your time to talk about whatever's going on in your world, they might be like, that's kind of weird. But if you say, can I take an hour of your time and record you for a podcast? They'll be like, Oh sure. I'll do that. (laughs) And so that's really what got me into doing all that stuff. So I would say my, the, that particular trip, I often look back and think, wow, that was like trajectory changing in my life. Like that relationship, particularly with Jim, who still to this day is one of my closest friends. But then also just that idea of like, oh, like I, it is okay to learn from other people. It's okay to, you know, to ask questions and people are super generous and they want to help. And that's a part of why I love what you're doing with 412, because you're just trying to help other churches. You're Mm -hmm. saying like, here's some stuff we've learned and here's some questions we're asking. How can we apply those lessons and, and learn together? So, and there's been a lot of churches over the years, but I would say that is really what, you know, I often think back to that day and think, wow, that was pretty amazing that Jim said, sure, you can yeah. come and do that. And, and it's been hugely influential in my own life. That's amazing. Um, now, using that, how have you pushed ministries forward? Like you've talked mm. about on stage, the sustained effort over time and what sure. that looks like. And how could somebody who's listening apply that now to their own ministry? Yes. So I've been struck, uh, and this again goes way back. This is like one of those probably life questions that I've wrestled with. And you know, a guy like Pastor Daryl, lead pastor here at your church is probably smart. He's definitely smarter than me (laughs) and probably can answer this question, but I has not been able to answer my own life, which is, you know, what's happening in revival? Like when you think Mm -hmm. about revival, like literally like, Hey, you know, tons of people in a community come to know Christ. I've been perplexed by that question because mm-hmm. it, it, there's two dichotomies that kind of that neither of them I think is true one is God really likes those people in that time in that place better than other people and so then he cho- chooses to kind of move on those people and then they come to know Christ uh, which has some problems to it because you're like so does that mean like God doesn't love us as much because like not as many people in Canada are coming to know Jesus or or, or on the other end of the spectrum is well, no, like the, those people at that time, they kind of figured it out. They had kind of unlocked the magic of seeing people come to know Jesus. And it was all just kind of some sort of human construct. Obviously, neither of those answers are particularly mm-hmm. fulfilling. They're like, oh, I'm not sure either of those are true. But that question really has driven my life. And so I've, I would say I do wake up most days. And when I'm thinking about what we're working on in the church or even at camp, you know, I, I keep thinking, man, how I want to see lots of people come to know Jesus. Like I want to, I want to see that happen. I'm, I'm yeah. foolish enough to think that, that, that a relationship with Christ makes a difference and can change people. And so I'm like, well, we just have to figure out how to do that. And so I've, so on the, in the church leadership world, I really have spent most of my time thinking about and working on how do we reach more people? How do we see more people get in? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I find myself being disappointed. Like, let's 
times I'll go to stuff and I'm like, this was amazing. I'm like, it would have been way better if there's twice as many people here because, it, <laughs> because we want to expose more people to right. the, you know, the teaching of Jesus. And so, yeah, that, that has been, you know, I think that has really been the effort that I've been really working on over these years. Yeah. Um, you also said leadership at its core is change and mm. take people from where they are to something better. So what are some practical steps to move the ministry forward? Like what have you found is the best way to move people forward that, you know, they're serving or they're in your church? Yeah, I think, well, I think that's a great question. So yeah, to- I totally, obviously I said it, so I, I was going to say, I totally agree with that. I'm like, oh yeah, I said that. <laughs> yeah, that's kind that. of a weird thing to I say. I did take it from you. Uh, but but I, I think we skip over that. I think sometimes we we think we can lead, but then not be involved in change. Like yeah. I sometimes hear church leaders say like, I need to learn about change management as if it's something different than leadership. And I just don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. By definition, if you are leading, you are taking people from one location to a more desired future. And and you can't, you can do some function that's not leadership in front of people or with a crowd of people. Uh, but if you're leading, you're literally taking them somewhere new. And then there's a ton we could talk about there. You know, I think probably two things I would say, quick things for yeah, people that no, are listening in. One would be, I think after all these years watching change happen in organizations and in churches, that people, unfortunately, people are are fundamentally selfish. <laughs> they are. We we all really do think about our own stuff. And I and right. I hear a lot of church leaders bemoan that. They're like, oh, I can't believe like. You know, and and I think it's it's really actually super apropos that that Jesus or that the Bible refers to leadership as shepherds mm-hmm. that we're called to shepherd people, which means we're leading sheep. Which, uh, you know, sheep are not the smartest animals in the world, and they're concerned really about just very basic things like eating and like replicating. Um, and if people are really that way. And so I think a lot of times when we're thinking about change management or leading change in organizations, we have to look at everything through the lens of how, how do the people we're leading, how does this benefit them? How, mm-hmm. how is it that this is going to make their world better? So for instance, um, let's take, you know, like this time of year, the fall, I don't know when this is releasing, hopefully it's sometime in the fall. <laughs> it will be in the fall, yeah. Um, the, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of churches are trying to get people into groups, right? And they're yeah. trying to say like, hey, like we Want to, now we know you and I know that people grow best in a small group. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's the best place for you to grow. But actually, very few people wake up and say, "Think you know what I need to do? I need to give a night a week to sit around in a circle and talk about like intimate things that are going on in my world and be challenged by Scripture." Like that's actually just not a normal thing. Like right. that people yeah. aren't normally doing that. And so, I, too many times you see churches get up and say, "You should join a group," or they'll say stuff like, "Well, we're launching groups this season," and 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 then they'll just describe what the group are. Groups meet once a week and Mm -hmm. they study the Bible and they serve the community. Um, And and then they wonder why don't people resonate with that? Well, Mm -hmm. I think part of the reason why that is is because we're not doing the work to say, okay, why, why is it that this group experience is so important for the people in our church? So instead of just doing an announcement like that or talking about it that way, you could start with something like, you know, hey, we all know, my assumption is if you're here, you're at our church this weekend, you're trying to grow. You're trying to become a better mm-hmm. person. You're trying to grow in your relationship with Jesus. You're, you have questions in your life that you want to wrestle with. You you might even find yourself being lonely. Well, here at our church, X Church, um, we the way that we help you with that is through groups. And let me let me. And so you have to you have to position everything we do from their position. What's in it? for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I think that's, that's one kind of piece of the change thing. I think, you know, the other, uh, so people are selfish. The other 
kind of piece of change management advice I would give to people is I think we underestimate, we think that we can get things done really quickly. Like we're like, it's true. Right? I, I, <laughs> I just, if we just have one meeting, uh, we can nail this, yeah, but actually we underestimate what we can get done in a year or two mm-hmm. years or three years. So we think in a, in two months we can change the world, but actually it's amazing what you can do in, in, in a, you know, two years or a year and a half. And, and we, we, we consistent effort in the same direction on an issue, you'd be amazed at the difference. And we, we've seen this at Minioe, like in yeah. a, just a real practical way, like one of the things, and this is a, you know, as insider baseball kind of thing, but we're trying to change the culture around registration at Minioe. We're trying to get people, one of our kind of operating theories is when we know statistically when people leave camp in the summertime, they're like, that was a great experience. I want to come back next summer. They, right. We know that. They tell mm-hmm. us that. They tell us yeah. on all their surveys. They love it. They love it. Love it. Now, typically they don't register until the spring, which is super frustrating. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like we spend all this time wondering, are they going to come back? Yeah. Are they going to come back? So we've, over the last few years, made a sustained effort to try to move people to register earlier, 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 and have stuck to that, where our kind of average, we would take, you know, normally it would take until about March every year to register a thousand kids to come to camp. You know, three years ago, we moved that from March to get to a thousand kids. We moved that to December. Then we moved it to November. And wow. then here we are at the end of September. And we're almost at a thousand kids now. Oh, that's now, amazing. Which is amazing. That's a huge yeah. change for us in our little organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes it, we're way more confident to be like, okay, like it's going to be okay. Like kids yeah. are going to come back to camp yeah. next year. It helps you with planning and right. everything. Right? And if we, but if we wouldn't have, if we would have just tried that that first year, mm-hmm. we've been like, well, it was, we went from March to December. That doesn't really make a big difference. But we're like, no, we're going to stick to this thing and just yeah. keep hammering at it. Um, and I think the same is true in a local church world. Like, if you're trying to change something in your local church, it you can't just try it one season. You've got to say, hey, what are we going to double down and keep kind of mm-hmm. focused on pushing in whatever you know way that is? Which takes some conviction, right? It does. Takes some yeah. like, hey, we're excited about this. Uh, we need to you know keep moving in that direction. Yeah, keep moving them forward while you can. Yeah. And also along with that, like, how can you get different ministries on board and working together? Mm, oh, that's a great question. So, yeah, so this is a real problem. One of the things that uh, we're, I've spent a lot of my time in the multi-site church world. So for mm-hmm. folks that don't know, that's a church that expresses itself in multiple locations. So, you know, a lot of churches have multiple services. Really, the way to think of a multi-site is it's just instead of differentiating by time, you're differentiating by location. So you'd have multiple places. Mm-hmm. The problem in, in those situations is you you have a lot of different moving parts. So you not only have kids ministry, but you have kids ministry over multiple locations. Or, and and so it can be you can have a problem in, you know in getting ministries to work together, but it really ultimately comes down to a part of our job as a leader is to get people to talk more to each other. We've we've got to work harder, um, particularly as our ministries grow. We've got to work harder on the communication front. Uh, you know, I'll, I've joked internally with leaders over the time, and, and people who you know have been in my organizations will. They'll roll their eyes when they, because I've said this so many times, I've said like, listen, leadership comes with a microphone. Like a part of your job is to communicate. Like that's actually, that's not a secondary thing. It, it is actually a primary part of your job, which is not only for you to communicate, but then to encourage other people to communicate, which is a, a part of what I love what you guys are doing here with this podcast, even to yeah. say like, Hey, you realize like a part of this, if we're going to try to move forward and mm-hmm. you know, help churches move forward, we have to get better at communicating. And so you're trying to do something different and a different kind of communication forum, which I think is amazing. So so I would say, how do you get them to work closer together? I'd focus really on the communication Communication. piece. It's huge. Really Mm. communication boils down. Totally. Yeah. 
Um, now I have experienced firsthand when I was thinking back over the summer, you are amazing at encouraging volunteers and I love it. Like from simple <laughs> well, little, well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I think so. I think, uh, and I've heard you when you've talked and some different ideas that you've come up, just practical ways that, um, you've encouraged volunteers in the past. And I wonder if you could share with us some of your best practices for encouraging. Sure. Yeah. And this, I like, well, even something like this is pretty cool because there's a lot of volunteers that are listening in today. And mm-hmm. so I, I think, so there's a little bit of a theological thing here for me that, you know, I, I really do believe in this idea of the priesthood of all believers that, you know, I think the distinction between pastor and attendee is actually fairly thin. We, we make a big deal like, oh, like pastors are like a big deal. And I've been a pastor for a lot of my mm-hmm. life, but, um, but actually at their core, I really, th- the, the church, the ministers of the church are volunteers. Like the, the, the thing that pushes the ministry forward isn't paid staff. If, if we could have, uh, churches like I, th- my brethren friends, Plymouth brethren friends that don't have staff in their churches, yeah. like th- that I think is actually probably the, the best way to do church, but it doesn't actually work. Like it doesn't, right. it doesn't scale. Unfortunately, you can't no. that, but I think probably philosophically, I think that's probably actually they're on to something there. So, so for me, vol- appreciating volunteers is like it's what we do because that's who we are. Now, I think practically, yeah, like we've done a lot over the years. I think I think churches in general, um, a lot of times. So I have this uh, a friend of, friend of mine, Christine Kreischer, who's uh, she's a part of that whole orange world, mm-hmm. and she wrote this book a number of years ago called "Stop Recruiting, Start Retaining." That oh, really, that, yeah, yeah, it's a fantastic. She'd be great for four twelve in yeah, the future. Yeah, that'd be so good. She uh, the the, the mind bender that she put my brain into was we need to stop thinking about rec- what if you, what if tomorrow you, you, you couldn't recruit any volunteers anymore? Uh, what would you do? And really what you have to work on is how do you retain the people that you have? Because I right. think what we do, frankly, and kids ministry is kind of, they're, they get, a, they get blamed for this a lot, but it's just because they have a lot of volunteers, right? Most yes. churches, 50% of the churches, 50% of for the volunteers kidsmen, yeah. are kidsmen. So they just have a lot of volunteers. But there is this idea of like we burn people out and then we just slot new people in. Mm-hmm. But I think we've got to work harder on making the, the actual volunteer experience a better experience so that people want to stick and stay. So a couple of things we've done over the years when I was at Liquid Church, um, a church in New Jersey, mm-hmm. we worked really hard on the volunteer experience. We had a, 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 and this was fantastic, what we did was we... We started where we had our staff working um, in a kind of volunteer care team, but then eventually we said, you know, there's this whole group of volunteers who um, have done a, done everything. Like you might know some of these people, and they it's almost like they're on staff at the church. They just they just know everything. They've done mm-hmm. everything. They've been on every team. They're great. And those people you, can usually fall into a couple of categories. And it, some of those categories are either like they're like the best people ever because they've done everything, or there's a little bit of like they're a little bit burnt out and crispy because they've done everything. Yeah. But we found a way to kind of reinvigorate those people oh. was we went to them and we said, Hey, could you lead our volunteer care ministry? And because they were trusted people, we literally said to them, like, here's a little budget. And all we want you to do is do stuff that will make our volunteers feel better about volunteering, like left it pretty wide open. Um, and so what fell out of that was a number of things. So on the kind of, uh, the, the part that people are shocked by, particularly in the part of the church world I worked in, which is the executive pastor thing is we fed every volunteer family, either breakfast or lunch every Sunday when they came to church, which that sounds great when your church is a couple, a couple hundred people. Yeah. When you become a couple thousand people, like when we were four or 5,000 people, you're talking feeding 1500, 2000 people every Sunday, um, in five or six locations. Like it's a fairly big deal. 
Uh, but then on top of that, they did what, what we talked about, surprise and delight, um, which they did things to frankly surprise and delight our volunteers. And, they, and it was things like, um, so portable, we actually did this at Conexus. This wasn't a liquid thing, but we did this at Conexus. Mm-hmm. We, it was wintertime, you know, for folks, most people are Canadian who are listening into this and, you know, it's, it's I was going to say Bible Belt. It's not Bible Belt. It's the snow belt. <laughs> it's the snow belt. You know, yeah. like it's not, and, and ca- portable campuses, which is tough. And, yeah. and so what we did one year was it was like one of those January, really, really bad late January, early February, tons of snow. We got a guy who plays steel drum. And then a couple of our staff showed up and we got there before the guys who pulled the trailers and do setup. We got there before they were, they showed up and we're outside in shorts and Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> that guy's playing steel drum. Uh, and then we're handing out like um, virgin daiquiris and virgin, <laughs> like funny, you know, mixed yeah. drink things as people arrive. Now, and just literally surprise and delight. All we're trying yeah. to do is be like, wow, that was amazing. That was fun. And Definitely like just memorable. a funny, yeah, yeah. goofy thing. We've done like on Christmas Eve services where, you know, those are tough days, you know, they're long mm-hmm. days. And a lot of times you have multiple, you know, people are serving multiple services. We did, um, and this is actually a fairly easy thing to do. You can, we, we would find a, uh, a massage therapist in our church and then in our volunteer lounge, they would just literally set up their massage table and then do like quick, you know, massages for folks. People love it. They're like, come on, that's That's fun. That's amazing. Yeah. And and, you know, food's a big thing. Like, you know, it, it is you know, special food type stuff at Minioi, we do, you know, we were just talking about before we do these iced coffee thing, which is actually a fairly cheap way to do in the summertime. It's nice because it's, well, it's, it's amazing because when I cooked, it was so hot, yeah, right? super hot. And yeah, then yeah, to yeah, have yeah. that as a treat after you've been in there just roasting, sure. that was amazing. Yeah, it's just a little thing. And then, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot more there. Like there's a whole, like, how are you building appreciation systems? Like, what are you doing to thank people regularly mm-hmm. and like gifts and, you know, and, and understanding, um, you know, the, the love language is kind of language and saying like, not everybody. So like I, a part of my weekly rhythm, now this is on the donor side, a part of my weekly rhythm, I'm probably thinking about this cause I just did it today is yeah. I write thank you notes to uh, donors who give to camp and, uh, and write those and send those off. And I, and that's a discipline of like, Hey, I think it's important uh, to do that. People have sacrificed to give to us. And, mm-hmm. um, but not everybody is like the note doesn't really mean anything to people. Like right. to, to, to some people that doesn't really mean anything. That's more probably words of affirmation or, you know, maybe gift people, but there are people that just time spent, they just really want someone to just come and sit with them. And so, you know, you've got to think about appreciation, not just from how do you receive appreciation, mm-hmm. but how do, you know, how do you keep mixing it up? Another one tip for folks, Okay. Uh, and you're not going to believe this. You're going to say, this is not true, but I'm going to say you, it is true. Okay. So one of the things that that volunteer appreciation team did that was amazing was they found out that you can mail beach balls through the mail, but blown up. No. Yeah. Uh, that you, you just have to pay the right amount of postage <laughs> because of the size. Uh, it's yeah. actually fairly light. So what they did was they blew up beach balls and wrote thank you notes on the beach balls to our kids ministry volunteers, like we have a ball having you in our kids ministry and wrote their address on them, put the stamps on it and sent them through the mail, (laughs) which as you can imagine, just goofy, right? Like just, and then, and it is like a little bit of like a hashtag moment. People are like, I can't believe what is happening here. You know, and then it does create, it creates all kinds of problems because you get like, (laughs) you know, beach balls arriving and then people that have those mega box things, they're like having to go pick it up. But even all of that becomes a part of the story Mm -hmm. of, you know, receiving beach balls. So, uh, you can, so there's lots of stuff you can do on that front. You got to be creative. But I think the main thing is getting, 
particularly if you're staff that are listening in, the encouragement I would say is to differentiate out of staff doing it and actually finding volunteers. They'll come up with better stuff than, oh, than yeah. you is not, not actually assigning it to staff to do it. But I, and there's a pretty amazing flywheel that happens there when you have volunteers thanking volunteers. That's pretty great. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, it's a good thing. That's so good. Um, moving forward, though, in ministry, sure. I'd love to pick your brain. Do you see new ways for people to serve, like just something innovative, different coming up that other people can use their talents? Like I've just seen a shift in the way that we do ministry and in, in new ministries developing. And I thought... It's a good question. You know, I think, um, so I remember years ago I was talking to, this is not that, I guess five years ago, I was talking to a church, a prevailing church, one of those name brand churches that everybody knows. And, um, I, I was asking one of their key leaders, I said, Hey, like what was a key inflection points for you as you were growing? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and particularly if there's like service stuff associated with it on this kind of volunteer piece. And they said something, I was like, oh, that is so true. And it really impacted the way we led it at uh, Liquid. And we're trying to do more of this at, uh, at Minioe. They said, you know, when we made the switch from volunteers are just people who help on Sundays to volunteers are people who help seven days a week, who can do things for us all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, it really increased our ability as a, as a church to serve people. We, we all of a sudden unlocked all kinds of opportunity and, you know, it, there's folks like you, dear Kim, who, um, <laughs> you know, volunteer all the time, um, which is, <laughs> which true. is, you know, but you could imagine in a church yeah. like this, if, if you could unlock 10 people mm-hmm. who would say I'll serve during the week, I'll come in on a Tuesday afternoon and do stuff, uh, to help the church, man, that would make a huge difference. And I think a lot of churches that are listening in today, that could really help them you know, get to the future and get to, you know, serve their community better and, you know, do a, um, yeah, just do a better job even in, in serving the people that, that they're called to serve. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just also wonder too, like I know, um, typically growing up, right. Mm -hmm. There's always like, there's children's ministry and youth, but then I've noticed a trend now. I mean, there's social media, there's so many new ones. I just wondered, um, yeah, that's a good yeah. question. So yeah, increasingly, and your, and the, your church is a good example of that, like increase, increasingly, um, you know, churches of all sizes are adding an awesome sort of online component. Mm-hmm. That's a, you know, that's a huge deal. I have a, fr- a good friend of mine who's a church planner in Florida and they started like day one out of the box doing video, you oh, know, wow. of their services. And, you know, I, like there's not that long ago that that was, it was a very small segment of the church population that did video. Now we're seeing that as a real, you know, kind of a normal part Mm -hmm. or an increasingly normal part. Um, you know, all of the, the digital engagement stuff, the, you know, like you say, social media blogging, you know, all of those pieces, I think is a real opportunity there. And it connects with the midweek thing that there are people who frankly can't serve on the weekend or don't want to serve. But like, Mm -hmm. if you were to say, Hey, like I can help you, you know, do posts during the week or engage with people during the week, I think is a good thing. I know it connects us for, I don't know if this is the case anymore, but I know for a while at our, our campuses each had their own, um, social media teams and, yeah, they basically ran almost like a competition oh. between the, the <laughs> campuses. And they, they all they did was they got a group of volunteers who were interested in that stuff. They gave them a certain amount of resources and then said, you know, all we want to measure is total click-throughs to our website. They were like, well, I don't care what you do, but the goal of it is to get people to actually land on the church website. Right. And so they, and then every month they just did a simple report that said, okay, like here are the things that seem to be working um, yeah, I think there's huge opportunity there. Yeah. And that, I think that even relates to then, you know, even staff roles eventually, like it's that are really new. Like there's a whole, mm-hmm. 
like data side of the church and like, how do we handle people's data and what are we doing? There are probably people that are listening in today that are volunteers who during the day, like during their day job, they like manage databases and manage like customer acquisition Mm -hmm. stuff that a lot of churches could benefit from that kind of leadership because it's, we don't often, for a church, if people's data falls through, slips through the cracks, that's, that means someone's not being cared for. It means mm-hmm. they're not being, you know, there. And we've all experienced that, right? Like yeah. there's, or hopefully we all haven't, but we all can <laughs> identify with this idea of like we go to a church and like maybe we fill out a card that says like, I'm struggling with this thing in my life and you put it in the offering plate yeah. and then you never hear anything, right? And that yeah. unfortunately happens quite a bit in churches, mm-hmm. but that's actually in order to collect that data and then actually reach out to someone that's actually takes a fair amount of sophistication that again, there's people who are, who are listening in her, who are, who do that kind of thing all the time, who are, you know, selling clothes or something. Uh, they could be using those same skills and from a volunteer point of view Mm -hmm. to help, um, you know, good things happen. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then in speaking of teams and volunteering and maybe this, you could, relate more to mini OE, but, sure. um, how do you create a healthy, um, volunteer atmosphere or how a team atmosphere? Sure. What are some things Gr- that you do? Great question. I, th- so I think there's two sides of this one, uh, there, so most people don't, and I would say the vast majority, like 80, 90%, there's a, there's a mindset thing to get our head around here first. Most people, 80, 90% of people do not volunteer with us because they want to do the job that we're asking them to do. So they don't come saying like, Oh, I'd like to cook. You know, they, they're like, what I would like to do is stand in a kitchen when it's 112 yes, degrees I love that. and it's sweaty. <laughs> and you know, like they don't, that's not what they're thinking, right? There's yeah. some other motivation. And so again, I think part of it is getting really clear on why is that? Like why, mm-hmm. why would people volunteer at your church? What is it they're looking for? From my perspective, what they're looking for is relationship. The only reason why people mm-hmm. do, I think that's such a driver for people. They want to make the church small. They want to, they want to know some people. They want to, you know, build some friendships mm-hmm. or continue friendships. They have people who they've served with in the past. I know that's the case at Minio. A lot of times it's like people who have been together for a while. Yeah. You and keep like, serving with yeah, them and maybe add a few to the story. team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Rotate yeah. some people through. And so what that means is we've got to work backwards from how do we make our volunteer experiences more relational, not actually task-oriented. The task is secondary, mm-hmm. not primary to it. Uh, I'll give you an example. This was you know, a bunch of years ago at Liquid Church. It was Christmas Eve. And you know, for folks, uh, I don't know why I'm thinking about Christmas so much. It must be because it's coming up. But <laughs> Christmas Eve, uh, and our, our, what we said to our staff was you know, no one leaves until all our volunteers are done on Christmas Eve. Like we okay. don't, so it'll, the last people to be here will be our staff. So mm-hmm. we're not having any volunteers. Everybody's have, all our volunteers have to leave before any of our staff. Leave. And so we were, I was at a portable campus and we were meeting in a hotel. And then we, as was there was our pattern, we would do like, let's get some chicken wings and that kind of thing at the kind of like the bar at the hotel that we would rent from. And we did that every week and we did that on Christmas Eve. And, and the reason why we did that was it was a, it was a relational time, right? It was like, we just, oh, sorry, bumped my (laughs) mic. Uh, the, you know, we just spent all this time working together. Now let's, Hey, let's hang out a little bit and get to know each other. So it had a, it was a profound night that really stuck with me because at the end of the night, it was literally down to, there's like two or three volunteers left and these guys are hanging on, right? Like they're, they're not going anywhere. And frankly, in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, like I'd like to get home now, like, but I can't leave. Cause I made a big deal about the fact that none of us are leaving until all the volunteers leave. 
And this, it was the end of the night and it was quiet and I actually did let some staff go, but I, but I'm like, that's fine. I'll hang around. Yeah. And one of the guys, one of the volunteers, he literally kind of puts his arm around another volunteer and he looks at us and he's like a little bit misty eyed and he says, you know, like serving here, you guys are like my brothers. Like you oh. are like the closest friends I have in my life. And this has been just so amazing volunteering here this year. Oh my goodness. And and that really stuck with me because mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it's easy to default towards what we need are people to set up and tear down church. Like mm-hmm. what I need is somebody who can just roll out cords, plug stuff in the right place and make it happen. But that's not why people do it. That's not mm-hmm. why people are engaged. They're, they're interested from a relational point of view. And so I, I think working backwards, we've got to work hard on how do we inject relational stuff into it. Now, the other side of that, mm-hmm. the kind of the yin to that yang, which is a terrible thing to say <laughs> on a Christian podcast, yes. but uh, we'll the, other, <laughs> the other piece of that uh, puzzle is um, people do want uh, it, it can't be sloppy relationship. It can't be like, well, it's, we're just all hanging out. Like we're just all here doing our thing. Like what's well, fine. You do need some structure to it. And so I think, pra- and so some examples of that, if, if, if people show up to volunteer and we don't have a right, the right materials for them, if we don't have a, if we haven't projected with them around a, like, this is what to expect when you arrive, like simple stuff. If we haven't told people what to wear, if we haven't said like, this is where you should park. And when you come into the church, this is where you should meet. Or like, mm-hmm. this is the time we need you there. Or, you know, if we haven't done even just some basic training with them, uh, people will be very nervous. It's a, it is a, mm, it's, it's yeah, a difficult true, right? experience. We take it for granted as leaders that people know all that stuff, but they actually don't. And so we've got to go out of our way to build some structure around it. We've, so, so my recommendation has been that I think, you know, team leadership, uh, is best done really with two leaders, co-leaders. And we would charge each of those leaders, one to be the relational person and the other to be the systems, you know, structure person. And so, and, and people do generally fall in those categories mm-hmm. and, and we, we deliberately put co-leaders on teams so that we push both sides of that equation. So you've got somebody who's like, loves a checklist and is like, all yeah. right, we got to get all this done. <laughs> and then you got the person that's like, man, come on, man, we just need to hang out. Like, let's just yeah. chill out. And, but then doing that, you get, I think a really dynamic you experience. Do, yeah. And I think if you miss either, I think it becomes a very stale experience. And this is, you know, this is the case. I don't know. And the church in general is actually pretty good at volunteering, uh, you know, par- partly because we survive on it. If mm-hmm. if we don't have volunteers, the thing doesn't work. But right. like if you've ever volunteered in another organization that maybe hasn't been super positive, um, sometimes that's a good thing because you're like, oh, we definitely don't want it to be like that. And why is that negative? Why wasn't it such mm-hmm. a good thing? What can we do better? Um, so yeah, that's a couple ideas. Yeah, no, that's fantastic, Rich. Um, could you tell us a little bit about Unseminary, a little bit more about that? And also, I'd love to talk about your book, Church sure. Growth Flywheel, right? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Unseminary is just at unseminary.com. We do um, a weekly podcast, which is is generally interviewing church leaders. Um, and we, like I say, it's the stuff they didn't teach on seminary. So it's mm-hmm. in seminary. So it's all like practical type stuff. And we'd love to have, you know, your listeners uh, check it out. Yeah, I've written a couple books. The, uh, there's one that came out um, a couple years ago called uh, Church Growth Flywheel, mm-hmm. which is a book really... What? So again, it gets back to that question I talked about earlier, you know, why do some churches grow and some don't? And so 
the Liquid Church, the church I was at in New Jersey, we were uh, marked as one of the fastest growing churches actually multiple years in a row. And so part of the book is like what learning from that experience, kind mm-hmm. of leading within that experience, what that was, that was like, but then also from a few hundred interviews with actually leaders from within some of the fastest growing churches trying to learn, okay, what are the things we're all doing that seem to be pushing? And, and we end up landing on these five practices that, um, that churches that are growing seem to be um, exhibiting and really across the spectrum, like there are lots of different kinds of churches, but they all seem to be doing similar things. And so ultimately the punchline of that book is that really the difference between churches that grow and churches that don't grow are churches that churches that grow have systems and approaches that uh, reinforce the invitability of a church that ultimately people in the church are inviting their friends to come. Mm-hmm. That's really the, the the dividing line. And so the book really just pulls that apart and says, how do we make our churches more invitable? It's called Flywheel because yeah. uh, I was thinking about calling the book you know, your ch- a, a bigger church in a thousand days, yeah. but I thought no one would buy that book. Like, it's like, no, everyone wants a church. Like I see stuff online where people are like, your church can be bigger in 30 days. And yeah. I, it's just not true. Like, right. I'm like, you're, you're actually just lying to people. Like it, it takes time. You've mm-hmm. got to, you've got to apply because it's a culture shift. You've, and it's actually at a pretty profound level because it's, it's shifting people from worrying just about themselves to worrying about the community around them, which is actually mm-hmm. a huge shift. Like that's, that's not a small thing to do. And so that's really what the book's talking about. I've been like super, you know, writing is primarily a solitary experience. You're yeah. in a room staring at a wall <laughs> and you have like concepts and you're trying to pull it together. But then this amazing thing happens. You release it out into the world and like, and it's, yeah, you know, I've been super encouraged by it. literally thousands of church leaders have read it. Yeah. And, you know, all the time I hear from people like, oh, we did this thing and it's really making a difference. And that makes, oh, good. you know, for me, it's just amazing. Like, I'm like, wow, that's incredible that, uh, you know, that God's using that. So I, yeah, I would, I would love it if people pick that up. It's a, it's a fan, you know, I, I it's it's fantastic. I'm not because it sounds super cocky, but, but no, no, it but sounds I'm, I'm amazing. Encouraged when, yeah. by you know the results that people are getting, you know, from it. Some people are a little bit queased out by it. They don't really like it because if people are going to criticize it, this is where the criticism comes from, because there it, it gets super into tactics. It like drives okay. right down into like this is what you should do. So if you're looking for that, this is yeah. a great book. Practical it, steps. Yeah, and yeah. if I have to convince you, and I actually say this at the front end of the book, if I have to <laughs> convince you that your church should be bigger or that your church should have more people in it, or that you should be reaching out to your community, then this is not the book for you. Like, uh-huh. And there are church leaders who, they struggle with that. They're like, I'm not sure that's really important. Like, I'm not sure that's a value for us. And so I'm like, you just shouldn't read the book. Like, just return it. Amazon will give you your money back. Like, <laughs> yeah. you don't you don't actually need to read it. Like, go read something else, because it will discourage you. Um, but again, the vast majority of feedback's been super positive, overwhelming, actually, which has been uh, encouraging. That's awesome. And we'll also throw it on our website. Like you'll sure. see it there sure. and there'll be a link. You can so get people it on amazon.ca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fun. That's awesome. Um, Rich, if you could communicate one thing to our listeners or encourage volunteers who serve in ministry, mm-hmm. what would that be? Well, I can't just say one thing, probably two things. One, I would say the fact that you're investing by listening, you know, we're whatever, like, half an hour, 40 minutes into this, the fact that you're investing in your own leadership is a big, big deal. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you for doing that. Thank you for saying, Hey, I want to try to get better at what I do. I think that we have the most important message in the world to tell people, which is Jesus desperately is in love with people Mm -hmm. and wants to draw them back. And, and the fact that you're investing time through this or coming to conferences or reading that sort of thing is, you know, is amazing and, and incredible. So that, so thank you for that. And then the second thing I would say to folks that are listening in is I would say, keep 
on keeping on. Like mm-hmm. it isn't easy. They're like the the vast majority of serving in a local church, it fits somewhere in the spectrum between frustrating and boring. Like it's <laughs> it, it's just not interesting. And I would say that even as a pastor, like it's not it's hard. Like it's yeah. it's it 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 isn't, you know, and I've said this about people will be like, oh it must be so great to like you know, work in a number of churches that have grown quite large. And I'm like, yeah, it's just a lot of work. Like it's, yeah. it's, it takes a lot of time, effort and energy. And it's a lot of people, you know, like the, like the guy, the setup teardown guys who are getting up early to make this thing happen. And, mm-hmm. but I, I do think that in that God, um, there's this amazing thing when we orient ourselves around serving others, this, and we know this, you know, this was listening in. But when you orient your life around serving others, you find something amazing at the end of that road. And actually God meets you there and does this amazing thing inside of you. And so, you know, I would, I would want to encourage church leaders that, yes, I know it's hard or volunteers, it's, it's hard, mm-hmm. it's tough. Uh, it's not easy. It's not straightforward. It's, you know, it, it, it can be frustrating at times, but, you know, keep persevering. There are good things coming. I really do think the best is yet to come. You know, God's got something amazing planned for your church. And you're going to get a chance to see it. And a part of the way you see that is by just continuing to serve, continuing to be there. Yeah. And what about for the church leaders? Like if they're leading volunteers, you know, how could you, what would you say to encourage them? that's a good question. Yeah. So I would say to church leaders, it's like similar stuff. I think, I think the most noble thing a person can do, can choose to do in life is to work in a local church. Like I think... Um, you know, there are a lot, I don't know, church leaders, if you're listening in, there's actually a lot easier ways for you to make money than what you're doing. (laughs) And the fact that, you know, you have chosen to say, Hey, like I'm going to forego doing something else and do this instead is pretty amazing. Like it, it, it's, it, it's, that's an, an incredible gift that you've given. And, you know, I, I get, um, you know, I'm, I'm not like an old leader. I'm in that weird middle ground where I'm like, I've been leading long enough uh, that I'm not old enough, but I'm not really a young leader anymore. I'm just kind of a leader, but I've been leading long enough to see a number, unfortunately, of, of friends that I started with who have flamed out, burned out, you know, their personal lives have fallen apart, mm-hmm. you know, that, that sort of thing, which is super discouraging. Uh, but my, so my encouragement to church leaders would be, Hey, you know, how can you, uh, you know, find a way to stay healthy and encouraged in the midst of all of that and continue to serve, uh, because you know, what you're doing is an amazing thing. The fact that you're choosing to serve, uh, when again, there are a lot easier ways for you to make money than what you're doing. And so I don't know if you know that, but that is true. Um, and, and so thank you. Thank you for serving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey Rich, thanks so much for chatting with us. And, uh, if somebody wanted to connect with you, can you tell us what is the best way for them to reach you? Oh, great question. I would say probably the best thing would be to just go to unseminary.com or they can Mm -hmm. email me rich at unseminary.com. Uh, that would be fine that you'll find everything you need there and you can get on the podcast or you can search on seminary and your favorite podcast app, um, (laughs) whatever the young people are doing these days. Uh, yeah. Any of those ways, but yeah. yeah, Or you'll probably put links in the show notes or whatever. We will. Yeah. We'll have links for people so they can connect I really appreciate what you're, I just want to say this. Kim, you are an amazing example of uh, a volunteer that's going above and beyond. Uh, So I've said this publicly at the conference. The problem with this podcast is you can cut out what I'm saying, Yeah. but I don't, (laughs) Kim is a volunteer at her church. So she... 
which I think is still true. You're it's still true. Yeah, I'm okay, still good. a volunteer. Okay, yeah. so I uh, like you. Sh- you sh- you do so much work around here. It's incredible, and and I think you're a model for you know really how this church is pushing forward because of your work. And it's not just you. There's other people mm-hmm. who are doing that, but. Um, you know, our churches go forward because of folks like you. And I just love that you're then trying to encourage that other people. And so, you know, if you're listening in, you're like, and you're a volunteer and you're like, can I do more at your church? You just talk to Kim. She'll say, yes, (laughs) they'll let you do stuff. Just keep helping and they'll, they won't turn you down. So Kim, I really appreciate your leadership here, particularly um, at the church. I think you do an amazing job. So thank you. Oh, thanks Rich so much. I really appreciate that. That's amazing. Yeah. I've really looked up to you and I've appreciated being able to hear from you and talk to you and even just bounce ideas off of you, right? As we were developing this podcast. Fun. I'm excited for it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and equipped as you listen today. And we want you to stay connected with all that is happening with the 412 Canada podcast and conference. Sign up for our email at 412.ca. And because you signed up, we will send you a link for all the audio from 412 Conference 2019 for free. You can check out the show notes for anything that you might have missed and pick up some links there for Rich's book and other things. Please like and share us on social media and share us with your friends. And we look forward to the next time on the 412 Canada podcast. Thanks for listening to the 412 Canada podcast. We hope this episode has equipped you for greater influence through serving. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and consider leaving a review on the app you use. The 412 Canada podcast is a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Huntsville, Canada. Explore everything 412 Canada at 412.ca. Thanks again for spending time with us. See you next time.